There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 410. 410 already. Good Lord. Feels like we just did 409. <laughs> and now, it feels like less than 48 hours ago, we put up for the 409th episode. This Matthew. is crazy. I don't know why you kids uh, complain about not having enough content out there. There's plenty. I don't know if anyone's complaining about us about Is them. anyone complaining? Pro- well, listen. Somewhere, someone is complaining, yes. <laughs> somewhere, someone is complaining. That's the funny. internet is the world's most powerful complaint engine. Uh, but there's also a lot of love on it, Matthew. Yeah, I know. But let's say I was in my office, right? And I wanted to share a complaint. Very short. With someone else in my office. <laughs> I, I see where you're going for this. I don't know if we're ready to get to the sponsorship part yet. I like sponsors. <laughs> I know. I do, too. Have you ever seen stamps.com? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Stop WTF bombing me. Stop Marin bombing the show. <laughs> Well, Matt Meyer is going to be opening for me at the Wilbur Theater in Boston on September 27th. Of this. That is one week from today. Well, depending on when you listen to this. Or I it could be one you. week ago. Yeah. If you, you know. What the fuck took you so long to listen to this? Stop dropping WTF references. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Earlier, Matt, yeah. you were getting at something, and I really appreciated the attempted segue. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. Uh, we have a I'll new get sponsor. at it again. We have a new sponsor on the Nerdist Podcast, which is Igloo. Igloo allows you to share content quickly with built-in apps. You can share blogs, calendars, files, forums, microblogs, wikis. It's uh, it's an intranet service. It's, basically. The, it's collaboration a- a- across social media platforms. It's the Igloo software, people. It is Igloo software. It's easy drag-and-drop platform, responsive design, beautiful fonts from Typekit. Have fun with it. Share beautiful, stuff. Beautiful fonts. Share okay. stuff with your group. Not just Comic Sans. No. There's more <laughs> to it than that. You're going to get probably their own version of Times New Roman. Something else, maybe. Maybe a nice little Helvetica. That would be fun. Helvetica would be nice. I do appreciate a good Ariel Black. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Yeah, Ariel Black's a good font. It could be one of my... It's a good header font. could be one of my favorite fonts. Igloo is free to use for up to 10 people. What? And when your Igloo grows, it's only $12 per additional person each month. So if you have a small business or a small collaboration group, it's free. This is amazing. I know it is. That's why I'm talking about it. And they're sponsoring us. Take advantage of this amazing service. Go to igloosoftware.com slash nerdist to start building your Igloo. Well, Chris, if I have nine people that work in my office, how much is this going to cost me? Well, again, it's free for up to 10 people. What? I know, Matt. What if I have... 
11 people. How much will this cost me? Per well, month? then it would be $12 for the additional Still person. a good deal. I know. I love that you're easily surprised by this. This is amazing. <laughs> Let's say I have 12 people in my office. Are we, we're going to go through every number and just add $12. But how much is it going to be? Well, it'll be $24. That is a very reasonable price. For 12 people in collaboration software across oh, social media God, Have you ever used Netflix? That is, seems more expensive. Igloosoftware.com slash Nerdist. Thanks, Igloo, for sponsoring us. Thank you so much, Igloo. You realize that when you're having 12 people in your office, it's only $2 a person, really, when you think about it. Uh, this episode is uh, Brad Neely who is a phenomenal comic book artist and writer and producer. And I, I feel like the first time I met Brad was back in the Super Deluxe days when Furman and I did a show, the, the now defunct Super Deluxe, which got absorbed by Adult Swim. Um, but if you would probably be familiar with Brad Neely's work, like the JFK song. Um, he has a show now called China, Illinois on, uh, on Yeah, Adult you're probably Swim. familiar with him from season one of China, Illinois. <laughs> because guess what? what? Season two premieres September 22nd. What the fuck? Oh, my God! I know. I know. Oh my God. I know. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I get only one episode that night? Nope. You get two episodes that night, everybody. You're giving me Brad Neely Rio with can all of this Brad Neely information. Believe it. I can't believe it. And I'm glad you can't believe it either. Well, let's shut our mouths and talk to actual Brad Neely instead of theoretical Brad Neely. Season two, September 22nd, 1130 p.m. Brad Neely, Norse Podcast, number 410. Hashtag hostful intro. You can't hashtag intros. I just did. Don't do that. Well, I just hashtag outside of Twitter. You can't verbally hashtag something. Well, how's it going to be verbally searchable? How am I going to brain search that? Well, you, it'll the ha- the hashtag will pick it up. You know what? I, could you write a memo about that and get it to me via Igloo? Thanks. Yeah. And with eight other people, it'd be free. Oh, my God. So me, you, Jonah. Stop it! We'll put Katie on there, Kyle on there. We're still free. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm going to start an Igloo with you and Katie about how to get mad at all. <laughs> Doesn't take much, guys. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> no, come back. Now entering Nerdist.com. Place. Interesting collection of beverages. yes, it's uh oh you mean at the store part? Yeah, well, it's just my... all parts. Really? <laughs> it just keeps yes, going around. It's, it's uh, if you have any form of ADD, this is a bad place to come. Everything. What's it? 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 You haven't been up to the no. crow's nest? The crow's nest. Widow's watch. You want to call it widow's watch? Yeah. Widow's watch is not a good way of doing it. So. I like it. We're all waiting. We're all waiting for him to come No, home. no, we're not. We're on the top of a ship, and we're just checking out to see if there's dry land. No, we're it's on not land. A we're just waiting for our husband to come home. And you know what? He's not coming. Tell us about your husband. Well, he's a very handsome man. Does he look like Brad Neely? Yeah. He does, actually. That is his sailor beard. It's it's a fucking it's a beard to be jealous of. Yeah, it's it's got it's got on me. I don't know what happened. Uh, it's neglect. It's not a decision. It, <laughs> but it but there 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 must be some shaping to it because it it looks good. Like it looks kind of it looks um, neat. I, I kind of nervously chew the mustache off. I do that uh, when I have a mm-hmm. pretty long mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about all that I've done. 
Yeah. Well, I'll keep the bearing straight away from my chest here. I'll take yeah. it from that. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's where yeah. my husband is right now. He's on the bearing straight. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Is this dramatic for you? <laughs> guys. Brad, how could you upset Matt like this? He's been waiting. <laughs> you should confront your problems. Just I am from the widow's watch. Nope, you're no, in the crow's the right. nest. That's dwelling. You could place. find him in a crow's nest, too. Mm. Mm. You could go out and try to find him with the help of a crow's nest. I'm doing it. Let's right, do good. it. You brought it, you brought him together. I did. Widow's Walk and Crow's Nest. I feel like I I think I met you once at the Swingers Cafe, and I believe that you were having right. lunch with um, Nick Weidenfeld. Daniel, probably. Daniel, I'm sorry, you were having lunch yes, with Daniel. That's right. Nick's brother, Daniel. We've met twice, if my recollection is correct, that time, and then once behind... All of the crazy stuff at New York Comic Con in passing. Oh, okay, yeah. It was one of those things of like, oh, wait, 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 wait. when we're when you're sort when you're sort of going through, you the, just nailed it. You yeah, neither it of you perfectly. said words. You just both. You're going through the sort of the the back scenes habit trail of getting all around the Javits Center, which is um, which was not designed to hold as many people at once as New York Comic Con brings, and so it's very or as much. It's very segmented. Odors. Are you going to go this year? Uh, I was going to go this year, but I'm starting a show two weeks after, so I'm not sure if I if I can. I, I really want to. I really like New York Comic Con. I do a lot. too. I do too. There's a. I don't know. That sh- that town seems more equipped for a breakout of uh, terrible proportions than San Diego does. Not to <laughs> not to tear that down, but when I was there this last time, I felt like this is the worst place to be if we get bombed or outbreak. Uh, but New York is like we've got tunnels, we got <laughs> boats, we can get people out of here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think uh, San Diego wasn't really prepared for any kind of a supernatural disaster of any type, of any kind of like. I, sometimes I do like when I'm in Hall H and I look out and there's 7,000 people there. I go, so just one person had like a, a zombie virus or a rage virus or whatever, and then they just bit the person next to them. How long would it take? Because uh, maybe like, I think 15% of the people would get out. But then there would be a bottleneck, it'd yeah. be like a soccer riot, and then yeah. all of a sudden everyone's got the virus. If someone just yelled fire, you would be fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's not, I mean, there are a, there are a few ways out, but you kind of need to get in an orderly fashion to, to, get, to get out. I'm obviously a fearful person. I'm, I'm making that known. <laughs> These are not concerns. Usually people are smiling and buying things and dressed up like. Oh, that's in the back of their heads, though, I think. I think that's always in the back of their heads. Yeah. You always kind of go in and go, if shit went down, what could I grab? Where could I hide? Where would I be able to go? Would you dive under a table? If what happened? Just a p- chaos broke that's out. That's a smart man. Right well, that's there. no, but that's the thing. You Normally, you don't really, when chaos starts, you don't know. And you're not, you're not going to wait around. When people are running away from something, you're not going to wait around to see what it is, are you? Well, say if you smell fire, I'm not going to get under a table. If my living room starts shaking around, I might get under a table. But when you're, say you're in a crowded place and people just start running and, you know, like the, the opening of uh, World War Z. I just start, just... I grope. I just start, it's a grope off. You just tits and, <laughs> and butts. No, I'm terrible. All bets are off, ladies. I might try to get to a higher vantage point yeah like a crow's nest if you will or a widow's watch <laughs> to uh like climb to the top of a statue or something or like one of the you know like one of the tower the turrets that they have where they shoot stuff uh at the, at the i might get up there just to see like what's going on to assess the situation because you're not going to get through an angry mob and your no. instinct is like i can push my way through and that's the failure point yes yeah i go i, I just start thinking about digging 
It's that rat mentality. You're half ostrich. I guess so. I just think, like, i got to get inside this earth. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, earth, I'm coming in you. You're just, just just at that point, making a burial plot. i got a problem with my mother, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what people don't realize, that ornithologists don't realize about all ostriches, is that they have very, they have, like, very domineering mothers. And so they're just they're just trying to get away. It's actually that's the reason why they do it. She's the worst. I'm gonna be under here. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, when I uh, when I start to get really stressed out, I feel like I want to take a nap, and I call that ostriching. Like when I feel like I have a lot of shit I have to deal with, and then I that's just go to bed. That's your brain reaction to that. That's yeah, interesting yeah. to me. It's like when there's too much. I just go to sleep. I call it ostriching. I can't do that because I would be. My brain would be like, "Well, none of this stuff's gonna get done." Well, when yeah, when, that, Ky- yeah. when Kyle Gass has to take a shit, whenever it starts to come out a little bit, and he's like, "Now I gotta go," he says, "Oh, I'm starting to turtle a little bit." It's like the turtle head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Children say that too. Oh, they- <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Not, just, not just that one guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of table. Well, wouldn't it have been weird if I had said children say dot dot dot? Well, you could have just said. You're turtling a little bit. Like we all would have understood the reference. We got it. We're- all right. Well, you don't. You know, you don't have to undermine and deconstruct the reference. It was just. Well, a, I'm just know. saying we would have understood. But back to Jonah's ostriching situation. <laughs> what is it in your brain that, like, what, what do you think you'll get out of the nap? Like just a clear thought after you get out of it. No, or? it's escape. That's why I called ostriching. What's escape? Escape. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Listen, that kind I, of table. When huh? I was a kid. <laughs> When I was a kid, my favorite movie was Escape from New York, because that's how I said it. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> All right. Um, if I'm holding a battle ask... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just went... I, I ran into someone uh, that... Are you escaping? Uh, I, was, I was in the S games. Ye uh, <laughs> have redeemed thyself. Were you at... Doing BMS or what? Oh, okay, come on. <laughs> we already Blue Mountain. State? Um, and there was a. It's weird when you're on a when you're on a podcast called The Nerdist. You can't. Uh, it, it, some people will call you on stuff. Oh, nonstop. Yeah, and uh, someone um, I ran into was I like they overheard me saying that I you know it was like me and some guy were joking around about math and I was like well I barely gra- I barely passed geometry for the second time to almost not graduate high school <laughs> and she's like oh and you're on the nerdies podcast <laughs> and, uh, Ooh, fuck that guy who said that it was a girl it was a lady oh really yeah and it really upset me <laughs> Aww. Yeah. that's alright never, I never claimed to be smart you, well you are smart you're smart just not you about just don't like math yes school. keep going <laughs> You know, that's the funny thing. Like, the movie Revenge of the Nerds, whenever I first saw it, I was expecting just like a bunch of smart nerds. But they really showed that the, the classification's pretty variegated. There are some different types of nerds in that movie. Booger. Yeah, booger. Well, because they basically just, it was like anyone who was sort of like shoved out of the party or the collection. Like, they, you know, the core, Lewis and Gilbert, who really were the, Gilbert was really the glue. Uh, yeah. Which was great that he became president of the Trilam House afterwards. I think That's he true. deserved the honor. But um, about that broken leg, going to go on the big trip. Uh, yeah. But Lamar, but Lamar, just gay. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but at that, but in that in that type of instance, would have been socially ostracized yeah. by the jocks. Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a jockocracy, um, uh, and so everyone who was pushed out. 
was but yes the but 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 Poindexter for sure Poindexter Poindexter and uh, I guess he's Wormser 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 is probably the most but yeah Poindexter though just really good at the violin can really rock it just an autistic person yes yes (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) but you know the the hilariously non-hilarious thing about it is that I think it that it that a lot of undiagnosed autism was or like, oh, look at these nerds. And then it was like, oh, well, they're awkward because they don't relate to emotions in the same way they, you know, and, 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 and those were a lot of my friends when I, when I was, when I was growing up. So it's when you go back and look at what was undiagnosed and you're like, oh yes, I think this was actually like, you know, a type of Asperger's or, or something that occurred within the, the community. Like the guy from, um, the guy uh, t- from American Splendor, the one that Judah Friedlander played. Oh, right? yeah. Who was the, he was the party nerd. nerd yeah. That I remember from the MTV Number one nerd. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to see Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. There's a movie about nerds getting revenge. Yeah. This is, <laughs> so they were looking, you know, like they would look at that guy and go, what a nerd. And now they'd be like, he, I think he needs help. No, you know, yeah, right. different, we'll get him into a program. Right, but have I? you ever seen like a, like a good looking person with autism? I don't think I ever have. I don't think I've ever seen like a really good looking guy that's socially awkward with, like, with autism. Yeah, it kind of works its way out of your system it's when you're getting must. pussy. I, I've never seen hotism. Hotism, exactly. Ooh, yeah. I like what you did there. Yeah. We're insensitive. You're autism g- affects millions and, uh, you know, just get your kids vaccinated. There is, there is one thing that three quarters of us have in common at this table, which is uh, Super Deluxe. Superdeluxe.com. Oh, that's oh, right. Okay. That's Kitty fine. no legs. I'll go. Sorry. Well, you didn't live here yet. That's all right. I have a beer. I didn't live here either. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have an excuse, man. I don't. Um, yeah. You. We all started at Super Deluxe, which was going to change internet comedy. Which could have. It kind of did. It's just a slow burn. It was a slow burn. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, most of the people that had stuff on are doing really well. great people. Like the, it, our buddy uh, Dan Pasternak was sort of the creative, uh, the creative uh, force behind selecting. The- well, I don't. Uh, I mean, as much as I like Dan, I I would like to also say that you know my friend Daniel Weidenfeld uh, was. M- Pretty much the only person I talked to there, as far as Daniel was uh, this, much like Dan, where he was the guy bringing in people. To I'm just like that stuff. one guy who, as I love Dan, I've seen him a lot, and but whenever I was working on that show, it was we worked together rarely. But I think everybody else worked with Dan, so I, oh, want, okay. I just yeah. wanted to throw that in. There was, yeah, a, there was a few people. There was a few people there that were like. Not to. Yeah, but Dan was the one that knew everyone in L.A. and New York pretty much. That's what – well, because Dan brought Furman and I in, and I think yes. he brought you. Did you yes, did he, Dan br- yeah, and he brought then, me in. And Daniel Weidenfeld I met while going to visit Super Deluxe in Atlanta, and Daniel is such a great, sweet, wonderful guy. <laughs> I thought he texts like a little girl, though. He texts like a little girl. <laughs> Does he? He's like five in a second. Five will come. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen a guy kiss his brother more than Dan. It's not just his brother, man. He kisses everybody now. But it's just the weirdest when it's with Nick. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I, ha- I watch him kiss a lot of people, yeah. uh, but we're out in the world, so it's not weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were all we were the you were you already had like a viral hit at that point though with uh, George Washington. Ye- well, I guess or no, Wizard People. Well, yeah, those two things were out before Super Deluxe, yeah. Yeah. Both, uh, for some reason, totally couldn't help me out because, one, Wizard People was really illegal. I just did an alternate audio for the first Harry Potter soundtrack. 
super illegal. Warner Brothers shut it down because that was before they understood how to interact with their fans. Uh, now anybody can do whatever they want and they don't care. But back then they like called me up and said, we're going to cut your fucking legs off. They said Avarda Kedavra. I did. Uh, but so there was that. And then I did that one. Yeah. George Washington put that on the, uh, YouTube. My friend made um, a bootleg George Washington t-shirt. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to cut his legs off. <laughs> do it. He, he do is it. now, he is now old Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens to you, man. You turn into Mr. Potter before you know it. You understand. Well, oh, this is why they did that. I'm going to go work for National Geographic. Exactly. Fuck you, Mr. Potter. You <laughs> <laughs> don't even know. Um, so, uh, did, so they did they absorb uh, those and put them on Super Deluxe, and then you started making new stuff for them? No, I just did one uh, George Washington short, and then I foolishly sold the rights to a very, very um, mean person for two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, so wow. that got out of my hands. So whenever Super Deluxe called me up. Hey, let's make 100 of those with George Washington things. And I was like, I don't own it, but I can do some other things. And that's what got me started. Wow. And so did that guy do anything else with those? He's played them in his festival along with other fleeced material that he must have gotten off of equally. This guy sounds sick and twisted. I like what you did there, John. Would there have, uh, I really do. Do you think he would have had a festival? Yeah, it seems like Like it. an animation festival? It might be. I don't know. Interesting. Did you have a cohort? Did uh, someone spike your tea? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think Mike Massimino said here. <laughs> uh, so that might be his. I don't know. But it was totally legal. They could have done. I mean, you know, I, you can't expect somebody to be. A so gentleman. that's interesting. To, not to bring up old wounds, but like, so when you sign away that for two hundred fifty dollars, you're signing away the entire property. Everything they own, everything about it. Wow. So yeah, and you know, I mean, I had never worked in anything. I was a cashier at a art supply store, and I made that in my free time. You know, put it on YouTube when YouTube was really young. So a lot of people saw it, and I was like, "What do I? Whoa, this is what do I do?" And then a lot of people were, a lot of festivals were calling. Oh, can we run this in festival? Sure, sure, sure. And a lot of them had waivers to sign. So this one came, and I just signed it, just like all the others. And then there it flew away. Wow. Mm. Let's let's wrangle the rights back. What's off from three hundred dollars? But he, you went on to re, like make a bunch of other stuff that became bigger. It actually and... was a good thing for me because I probably would have made a bunch of derivative bullshit out of that project. But Plus I was you got wiser. To... I, I was stripped. I also yeah. am now a jaded, awful human. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. While in Austin, Texas. And... Two hundred and fifty dollars richer. Yeah. Hey, man. You can. Do you remember what you did with the two hundred fifty dollars? I. T- um... Yeah, I probably just went to the doctor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, good, I can finally get this wound looked at. <laughs> it's, it's just gaping. It's been open for <laughs> quite a while. Yeah. There's a there's a woodpecker living yeah. in it. <laughs> uh, Brad, not the wound. It's become a part of you at this point. Right, no, I right, don't no. even know how to talk to you without looking at the wound anymore. <laughs> Gotta oh, miss that wound. In fact, I always addressed that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to get in that wound. <laughs> now you're describing the plot of Crash. Crash. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Which we bring up once every 30 episodes. Because it's <laughs> such a weird... A it's such a weird movie. James yeah. Spader fucks Rosanna Arquette's leg wound. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know? It's Cronenberg, right? It was Cronenberg, yeah. At least you're sure it's always wet, you know? 
<laughs> it was Cronenberg, right? It wasn't. It was Cronenberg. Yeah, it was David, it was David Cronenberg. So uh, when you started working for Super Deluxe, did you did they come to you or did you pitch something to them? Uh, no, I had no uh, means or uh, I had no idea about how to pitch or uh, how to get in touch with anybody at that time. Yeah, so they just called me up out of the blue when they were getting started. And uh, I just started cranking on Baby Cakes and Professor Brothers for them, making shorts. And did that until they um, till they quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you yeah. Until they were forced to quit. <laughs> <laughs> in their wallet when they opened it up. <laughs> well, they, I mean, we all know they went haywire with the with how well they treated their creative people. And they boasted about it a lot too. Yeah, about how like they were giving the rights or the like yeah. the freedom. To, they were great. It was really was a, it was a time. great experience to work for. It didn't really didn't get notes. They just said, "Here's money. Just That's budget right. it out. Go make your thing and give it to us." And you and know. pay your yeah. taxes, Jonah. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, and I talk. I've talked to. I've run into a couple other people that had uh, Superlux stuff where it's uh, same thing, where they're just like. Yeah, you know, I got the huge chunk, which was the budget. Yeah, of like you know, like that year, the, the government, government thought the government I made. Thought you made that money. They thought I made two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and, then, and I didn't. I spent all the all the stuff, all like the the, the all the super stuff I made. Like all of it went into like paying people and like making it look good. And I got Peter Atencio some really good work, but I got. <laughs> 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 but uh, but it left me with just so much money to pay for taxes. Yeah, and 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 you got on a podcast. <laughs> that's right. You uh, that's like you know you you started hanging out with me again during that time. Well, I really admired your work, Jonah. Thank you so much. I remember one time you called me. I was at work and you called and said you showed uh, Weird Al uh, Drunk Day, Drunk Day, and uh, and you're like, and you really liked and the, it. Ma- the master of the internet. Yes, the master of the internet, which was essentially like something that should have been in UHF. It should yeah. Have been. yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's that's it's weird that like you'll occasionally run into people that go Superlux. Oh, I, f- I feel like so many of us had this one really great uncle who died. <laughs> Ted, you know, like he was so good to us. Yeah, and then he's dead. And so anytime we get together, we're like, oh, remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. He gave that's, me th- those Christmas gifts were so good. That's true. Every time we've had another Superlux person, we end up like kind of waxing poetic about it well the the spirit of it was really good and it and it was it was around that time when all the big companies because it came out the same like funny or die i think is the only one that's left standing but they all came out around the same time mm. and sony made one and just all these companies were like hey guys we should make web content yeah. but, but still exist but they still but they still but but at the time they a lot of them it was it was the, it was the same thing that happens over and over again with the internet like it was like the dot com bubble where they're like yeah. oh we'll just throw a bunch of money at this thing which you know you just you can't throw a lot of money they at the were, internet they were paying uh, this is be four years ago Sony was paying David Faustino for his web show which I don't even know the name of nor have I seen it they were paying him fifteen thousand an episode to be in it oh wow jeez. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Nope. Um, even like even College Humor, like which was the biggest money maker of you know that world of online comedy. Like now they've like cut their staff in half. Well, it's it's a lot of it, and I think with Super Deluxe sort of suffered from the like a lot of them suffered from the fact that they assume that because it's a visual medium that people watch the internet the same way they watch television. Yeah. And so they assumed like, oh well, we'll just have this. This destination where people will just go and get all of their comedy where And then Colgate's going to buy ads? Yeah. And it's just, you know, people just don't watch the internet that way. No. It's unpredictable how people watch the internet. I still don't understand. But somehow it happens. I mean, it's a, it's essentially, you know, it's... Um, 
it's a crowdsourced platform. Your things get views if people share it. And if they don't share it, they don't. And you don't know what how something's going to get shared. If you happen to be lucky enough to, oh, you know, some massive outlet put it on their homepage. And then, you know, then... It, maybe it disseminates that way, but in general, it's all about sharing, which you can't predict. That's right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so the best you can do, but it, but at this point, people are for I me mean, like, you know, you just you've made enough stuff at this point that people know. Yeah, but you can never lean on uh, rest on your laurels. You know, like uh, it's always the next one. It's always the next one. You got to stay on your toes, and you can always fail. Um, making new things for the internet now everybody is so just overwhelmed with content i man how do you make something that feels fresh and exciting and fun uh that's i'm gonna go kill myself (laughs) 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 at the thought of that well it's even when you have an idea it's always best to not even not like it's almost best to not search it you know, oh because sure, there's, yeah. there's plausible deniability. Yeah, yeah, of like exactly. yeah. I mean, it's shared in the ethos with I, the, with the master of the internet. I was accused of ripping off some guys that did a video in New York, and I had and like everyone like would like link to it, and I was like, what is it? What are they linking to? I had no idea, and it was a, it was a similar idea, but it was just like, you know, good thing I never looked it up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. probably wouldn't. Have you never would have done it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Furman and I, the the series that we did for Super, my my friend Mike and I did was a musical. It was um, like a country PBS, like if country music television had a PBS. So we did all these music videos that were basically like science and history country songs. (laughs) And um, uh, but then we had also made around the same time. Is that your dad's favorite thing you've ever done? I don't think he's ever seen it. (laughs) He's never seen it. But we made a we made a song about Abraham Lincoln, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's just like the George Washington thing." Like, and we hadn't seen it at that point. We're like. What? And it's just, it's, you know, like some things are just in, some things are just in the air or something. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 definitely that. I, be, I feel like everybody's watching the same stuff. Right. And that's affecting you. Or, you know, we're, people are, oh, this movie's out and it's going to shoot down the chain these different thoughts that might percolate out. Maybe I'll do this in response or maybe I'll do, well, that's done now, so I'm not going to touch this. And the, I don't know. It just seems like yeah. it, it makes sense to me that I'm surprised there aren't 100 of the same movie just over and over. <laughs> well, I, oh, well, yeah, I guess they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here, what's interesting is that, it, it, you know, any art is a re-expression of something that you experience. Mm-hmm. And in the old days, like pre-media blitz, it was, oh, you kind of went and experienced the world and then you re-express that in art somehow. But now, when all we see is other media, people are just re-expressing media over and over that's, again. Yeah, that's great. Which is which is why mashups are so popular or why it's like we keep remaking the same, purposely remaking the same uh, things. Or you keep, yeah. Because that's the only input we're getting is stuff that, of that same medium. Yeah, and mashups, uh, people love them so much because, you know that that little endorphin that you feel like when you see something you recognize or remember? It's like you're getting that three times at the same time. You get yeah. three times the amount in the same moment, and you're like, oh, this is great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, I know. I remember all these things. Man, th- <laughs> this this is the Nerdist. <laughs> That's some nerdy shit you're running on me. So what, uh, w- when Super Deluxe folded were you you were able to you that you still owned all your stuff right they they 
No, that's not true. Oh, okay. No one did yeah. until yeah. the three years. Oh, after. that's right. We had we had that's right. We had the three year thing. Yeah, we had the three year thing. Oh shit! Because a lot of stuff they fold. They just <laughs> you fold just found and... out you own your stuff again. No, no. I we immediately turned it into a television show, so they continued to own it. Yeah, I, so Turner I, continued to own it. Yeah, because yeah. they just they just a lot of super deluxe stuff. Just sort of, some of it, not all of it, just sort of folded into Adult Swim. That's right. Yeah. Uh, AdultSwim.com, and uh, at someone at Turner was like. Why don't we have these two separate brands? Why don't we just... Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what about all that other stuff? All that other content that's already paid for? I don't give just, a shit. Just take it offline. Yeah. Take it offline. Shouldn't we just put it up somewhere for a positive... Nope. Nope. Take it out back and shoot nope. it. No. I talked to a couple guys that, like, uh, their hard drives crashed, and they're like, well, I'll just rip it off of uh, the Superlux site, and then Superlux took off those oh, things, and then they lost them forever. Bummer. Oof. Yeah. You, so you, you got Master of the Internet back, right? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got. They're all, they're all back to being mine, I guess. Also, all the freeloaders guide, and then the are they, do they exist anywhere on the internet? You know what I did at the time? I guess I could talk about it. I don't think anything will happen. Uh, but I, I was really, I got upset at Superlux because they would uh, quickly bury things. They wouldn't give things a chance to breathe. And um, I did this thing where I would rip from Superdelux the videos, so it had the watermark on there. Do it yeah. like a flash drive rip. Or, you know, flash video rip. And then I would, you know, make a fake YouTube account and pop it on. Because I always, I would always tell them, I was like, you should put stuff on YouTube as well. They said, well, the ads don't work out that way. I said, but YouTube at this point is radio. You need, it's like, you know, YouTube is a, is like, you can just turn it on and you'll come across. They started doing it at the end. At the very end of it. And, uh, and I was like, it's like, if you just have it on YouTube, you know, people will see the bug and they'll come, they'll, they'll find you. They didn't, they didn't agree. And so I would put my videos up on YouTube under these fake. And funny uh, or die? Didn't you throw up on a funny or die? I, yeah, and it fucking blew up. <laughs> like I, it got like it got like ten times the views <laughs> on on the other you know the other sites. Like uh, quit play video games and get laid. The one I did with uh, Howard Kramer. Like it just like it did so much better on other places. Wow. Yeah. So I, yeah, they're they're there and they're available online. But you know, it's like it's weird too because you know people tend to look at views and they go well it's got a couple of views you're like exactly you have to understand there's like 500,000 views that are just gone now yeah yeah did you like transitioning <laughs> over to Adult Swim from Super Deluxe well yeah it was a weird thing going from the short format we're doing like two or three minute things online to an 11 minute television show on air uh, with the same characters that was a challenge for someone who and it was animated it was animated it actually flowed my earlier things were not very animated they were just kind of drawings uh, shown in a roll a row um, it's kind of like comic books but you were only looking at one panel at a time for a certain amount a lot of time uh, so we went to yeah it was a challenge and uh, bumping it up to actual storytelling third person narrated narration things that was yeah it was awful (laughs) (laughs) broke my brain uh it was terrible to all my friends and family feel a lot better now but uh that was a hard that was a hard transition for me (laughs) was that i assume that's not at all what you thought i mean what did you think you would be doing you know when back when you're working at the art store what did you think that you you would be doing uh art store supply man until (laughs) i die yeah i mean i was you know i was doing drawings and i was in bands and i'm always doing that my whole life and you know little acting things here and there but uh though it's weird this is definitely i'm just writing this very weird uh whim oh i'm gonna make something put it on youtube and now i'm still kind of 
doing that. <laughs> so for those listening, think of the joy that he's experiencing right now. <laughs> every, t- every time you upload. <laughs> well, when I think about... I relate to him. <laughs> <laughs> you think about those early days of YouTube, like 05, 06, where it was just sort of a... It was just kind of a ghost town. I mean, like, it was... I mean, imagine it was like the early days of film, where you could just shoot an apple and people would be like, it's an apple on yeah. film, yeah. you know? It was also the time when you could find everything like all the yeah. copyrighted shit that they've now taken down like you could find like you know if you wanted to watch a commercial that you saw once in 1983 you could find it there's still a lot of that too uh, what's like a delbert shootman made a made a thing called a youtube time machine where you just put in like if you want to see what year uh what kind of thing be it a commercial an old show or or like sports and then like you just press search uh, and then, like, it shows you, like, here are all the commercials on YouTube from the year 1984. I love when they go, here's the commercial breaks from Magnum P.I., September 24th, 1982. And you're like, what? And then you <laughs> watch it. Yeah. <laughs> nerdist. This is a nerdist show. <laughs> I can't keep saying that enough. I've had similar conversations with you about all this stuff. Well, now he's Sorry that cool I hit your hat. No, it's okay. No, I, I, the whole time that you talk to me when I'm not in front of a mic, I'm just thinking about the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've ever really listened to you. <laughs> and this is the last time he's listened to you, yeah. John. Yeah, I guess that's it. Barkeep, three more. <laughs> what do you guys normally, uh, what, what, are your, what are your friend circles that cross over? Daniel Weidenfeld, <laughs> uh, Stony Sharp. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what that's about it's, it. It's about the only friends I have. <laughs> <laughs> Is Daniel still at Adult Swim? Daniel has a deal at Adult Swim, uh, but he's also just like kind of on his own. Uh, he's you know EPing on uh, China, Illinois. Yeah, you know I bring, we have an office where it shares a sliding door. I see him pretty much every day, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Working on China. Yeah, he also helped uh, create and ran the first season of uh, Eric Andre Show. That's right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what's the what, – did you say you were at Comic-Con this year? I was, yeah. We're promoting the new season of China, Illinois. This Sunday premieres. And what's the Comic-Con experience? Sunday, like? September 22nd. Sunday, September 22nd. Hey, nice. 11.30. That is – Tune not, in. Man, I'm controlling your mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Make him happy. Wow. You, uh, you enjoying doing uh, advertising and press for it? Oh, no, man. Um, I don't at all. I've, I feel very uncomfortable talking like this um, because I'm used to – I do voices on the show, mm-hmm. um, and that's – fine i can hide behind those people but i'm i'm uh, i have to own what i'm saying right now <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like it's a you know a thing that i always say about where it's you know if you're hosting a like a stand-up show if you're hosting the stand-up show you can't be as weird or subversive if you're just a guy that's on the show right because you just have to be there and you don't really have to you don't have to like say all the stuff you want to say and then just also come back to everybody well, the host has to kind of – you have to be relatable. You have to come back and well, kind of um, – And it's also weird if you're – if you have the comedy gene that likes likes to be kind of a shit stirrer. It's sort of like, like the Dan Harmon thing too where it's like, yeah, he just likes to fuck around a lot. And then all of a sudden when more people are paying attention and then your words get put under a microscope – and then people are like, how could you say that? And you're just like, no, this is just me. I just fuck around. I don't mean anything, you know. But then the, all of a sudden there's a lot at stake. 
I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I say a lot of things without thinking. I talk in broken metaphors, and people around me have to deal with it. But uh, <laughs> when you just let that loose out into the universe, I'm afraid uh, someone's going to start knocking at the door. I, I agree. <laughs> I, have, I have had people that I've really wanted on the podcast, and they've been like, look, I would love to do it, but... I I cannot promise that I won't say something insane, and I've been burned a lot before, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so that and so they won't, you know, they won't they won't do it. Or they said something on radio, like just sort of you know eh, riffing around or whatever, and then yeah. blah, something comes out, and it's everyone's having fun all of a sudden. What you know? And then it's like <laughs> the records. But how, how do you handle that? Where it's like you know you have your stand back, but you also host a bunch of things and also have to, you know talk a lot of the time. Well, when just... you when you have to drive, you have to when you have to direct traffic you just can't you can't be as funny because yeah. there's no when you're a comic when you're like it was very similar to what you said when you're a comic you can just sort of like oh it's just all about jokes right now mm-hmm. but you know um uh as the person who i think people will probably all agree is the least funny on the podcast i think it's because i a, a lot of times i'm doing so much like trafficking yeah you're like, also thinking ahead of what like you're gonna have to yeah you're like, thinking like, about like, what like, your next question dri- is dri- driving yeah. conversation and trying to keep everything uh, under time and then you're thinking about where we're gonna go next and where do i want to go and do i want to go up this path and so you can't you can't just let all this when you're hosting you have to you have a you have a task that is weirdly more important than the comedy part, yeah. which is I have to keep this on track. And you can't just make like a like a real offensive joke. And no, because then, then it fucks then, the rest of the show. Yeah, and then like just jump back into a nice personable question. And when you're <laughs> yeah. seeing people are, they get sick of you by the fourth time they see you. Yeah. It's usually the fourth time I've discovered. That's when you got to just go. You having a good time? Here's your name. Go. It's when it's when, <laughs> it's when you're on a show like a, like at the Improv or the or Laugh Factory. Where there's like nine or ten comics. By the fourth time, people are like. I get it, <laughs> you know, and you just have to. Then all of a sudden, you're just a facilitator. Yeah, I, I, why don't they just do like uh, the disembodied voice announcers for those kind of things, like strip clubs? Should be past the mic, really, you know? Oh, yeah. that. But then someone would still have to take the bullet. The comic is also sort of the poison tester, you know. Like they have to oh. taste the. They have to like. Yeah. They have to take the bullet to warm up the crowd, and so it's sort of like you know, not very many people like emceeing a comedy show because you're you're more you're more function than form you know so yeah. you you have to take the bullet you have to wrangle people in you have to tell them to turn off their cell phones you have to tell them to tip their staff you know <laughs> you have to do all that here's what's coming up next week at the you know like it's all it's business you're basically half commercials next week latino fridays midnight it's refried <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. refried it is yeah um so that that's why it sounds fun did you ever did you ever do any live performing stuff I yeah you know I used to do that uh, thing where I, I talked over the first Harry Potter movie I used to do that live until <laughs> oh that's cool Warner Brothers shut that down but I would do like the whole two hour two hours and twenty minutes the funny thing is now that someone who works at Warner Brothers might hear this and be like we should we should get Brad Neely to come in and do these but like they would actually sanction it now yeah, if they, when they put out the box set of every Harry Potter movie they should have one of the um, commentary tracks just be you yeah that's I'll put that. They're like, oh, a reason list. to re-release these? Of yeah, course, yeah. <laughs> we'd be glad to. Uh, yeah, but uh, other than that, not not really. Um, and if I did, I would I would do an intense amount of preparation, and not I'm not good at improvisation or speaking from the heart. <laughs> so. <laughs>
That's where I didn't realize those two things were. <laughs> I feel like they're linked somehow. <laughs> That's like saying, like, you know, I'm not really good at making toast or being sincere. You just made total sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> do you have a do you have a, a big staff now or do you pretty much do everything? Um yeah, yeah. We had uh hundreds of um of people working on China. It was great. A lot of people who put in a lot of care and time on that. We able to use a writer's room for last season because this new season's 22 minutes, so it's like a proper television show. So had a writer's room and a uh, huge cast that brought in other voices. We have Hulk Hogan on our show. Oh, wow. Uh, and Greta Gerwig, um, among others, Jeffrey Tambor. So, uh, yeah, it's a Hannibal big... Hannibal Burris, Chelsea Peretti. That's right. Yeah, Hannibal Burris, Chelsea. Um, it's a big collaborative thing. I've, I've actually really enjoyed being able to lean on the talents of others. <laughs> well, you might call it leaning on, but I think it's just more like allowing people to do... I mean, like, that just, that's what makes a project good. You give them good writing, allow them to play around, you know? Like, it's just... That's how good things get made. Oh, boy. I hear you. I love it. I love to see those people at work uh, who just really know what they're doing. Uh, learn something from them. Do you let them? Uh, is, do, you, do you let them improvise at all, or is, does everything kind of have to stay? Well, we got to get to stick to the story. No, we do. We do within limits, but we we always take uh, we take the majority of people's alt reads. If uh, as long as the the spirit of the line is there, we'll take that. But we don't. Uh, you know, you're under the gun for time, like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, time's always a concern, and improvisation is an invitation to. Going long, right, right, right. Does Jeffrey Tambor tend to improv a lot? Mm, in yeah, but in the weirdest way, he does it like internally. He'll he'll improvise the in like the spirit of the line, if that makes any sense. Yeah. He'll read it just like on paper, but he will go somewhere totally different. <laughs> like the uh, the intention of the line. No, you're supposed to be angry here, not wistful. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to yell. He likes to curse. <laughs> what what happened? What did he do? when we were in a because I moderated your panel, uh, San Diego Comic Con this year, and he ran off to go run into someone else's panel. What was it? Yeah, he 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 said that he crashed the panel for Bob's Burgers. Uh, I guess what he did, we were walking to do a panel, and he ran in there having seen that it was Bob's Burgers and knocked uh, people out of the way who were going to ask questions. And I was like, <laughs> "Where's my money?" Yeah. Because I guess he did a voice on their he show. He did a voice, and they split it up, I guess, into, uh, they used it twice or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and he know. was like, where's my money? And so he was kind of sincere about it, but made it into a big joke. Yeah. Oh, that's really that's pretty yeah. great. And then came back at, like into our group and was just like like a flabbergasted like mom, like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, did you, do you think they're mad? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the entire day. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get that money. <laughs> I think I'm going to get that money now. Do you, uh, uh, for people who work under you, or do you do you like being uh, do you like being a boss? I do. I think that's great uh, to be uh, like have an unequivocal sort of voice, and uh, you know I hate it whenever someone it catches me without an answer. So uh, I'm a I'm a control freak, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, I. You know, whenever we're from the earliest conception of the shows, 
I kind of have something in mind. So I like being able to have answers for the people who come up and ask. Uh, but I also like to be surprised and be able to say, yes, I will accept your deviation to hear from the rule. It's fun. I like being a boss. Well, it's it's hard for, con- for if you're a control freak too sometimes. So a lot of control freaks can't delegate or they don't or they're just like, no, not just gi- just give it to me, you know. And yeah. then like they have to fucking do everything themselves, and they don't let anyone do anything. Yeah, I do that some. I have to admit, uh, and it's bad when I do. But um, we, but that was kind of in the earlier stages. Season one, I think, had more of that. We have a lot of people that I trust uh, and admire their work, and know that they can do something that I can't do. So that's a load off, and I'm lucky to have that. We have good. Uh, Good kids on the show. A lot of life still left in them. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Slowly draining. Mike Chillian, friend of ours. Oh, yeah, uh, of course, Mike he, Chillian. He worked on season one of that show. Yeah, he's an a designer. Yeah. McBusters. Yeah, now he's at uh, Uncle Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a real good guy. Do you, uh, uh, when you're doing the panels, do you, do you get a lot of the, Hi, I'm a young animation student. How do I start the... Yeah, not a whole lot. I used to, but I think early on I had such terrible answers for them that uh, the word got out not to ask <laughs> Don't ask him. I said, because, please, don't ask him it's easier to be a farmer. <laughs> uh, but I'm not really an animator, animator, you know. Um, I do the drawings and I design characters and, I, you know, I weigh in on the animation, but um, I don't have the patience to, to learn the technology behind the programs. Um, I'm kind of a pencil drawer it's funny to it's i i took the animation track when i was in college um and you could take the classes but you couldn't major in it unless you were in the film department mm. but i i just remember that first time they said uh, our first assignment was animate a bouncing ball it just has to bounce once and then bounce off the screen and just the amount of fucking work that goes into like a three second ball bouncing across the screen and then trying to figure out like Oh, more drawings when it's slower, and then fewer drawings when you're going to go faster, and then at the point of impact, and then, it, it and then at the end. And yeah, and then you watch it, and you get all excited, and you're like, here's my thing, and just boink, and you're like, ah, that took a lot of work. I swear to God, that took a lot of work. You must have liked that, though, because you were really into math, you're, right? Well, yeah. Isn't that a lot of, like, just like the, like the amount of, like, you know, like the direction? Half this distance and half yeah. this distance have the angles. and Yeah, it is neat, but it is, it is, uh, it is an alarming amount of... Well, well, if you're just doing pencil drawings, it's an alarming amount of work to animate the simplest thing. It's, uh, it's a definite threshold, I think, that cut a lot of people off at, I want to be an animator. Holy shit, no. <laughs> but no. I don't get this. How'd they make Snow White? That's, like, so long. Oh, my God. I mean, you, you really do... You have to have a real appreciation... If you don't appreciate what they did with those early, like any of the early when they were just fully animating, you know, like 24 frames per second, um, any of the old Warner Brothers cartoons or Disney, and just how every fucking, every frame was a fucking work of art. And And they just did that hundreds of thousands of times. (laughs) And now you can find them in many long boxes at (laughs) (laughs) Comic-Con. Those poor people, I just think about them drawing drawing those over and over just trying to get the mo- keep the model consistent because there's no such thing as model packs it's just eyeballing it those guys that's I, I have such respect for that especially at a time where it was I mean the idea of being on the cutting edge of a whole new medium is pretty insane where it's like well that just I mean they had zootropes 
but that was a like there weren't like the idea of an animated movie like they went from zero to insane in a pretty short amount of time and there was yeah. no oh this is how you do that thing it's like oh i guess we yeah i don't know yeah i guess it works like this <laughs> it cost like a million snow white cost like a million dollars back then to make and they made 10 million off of it jesus christ and that's you know 1930 whatever dollars God damn it. And then he took all $10 million of it and dumped it back into the studio in Burbank and just made the studio bigger and better. He didn't spend any of the money on himself. Just like Jonah. Jonah's exactly like Walt Disney. Jonah, you're the Walt Disney of Super Deluxe. Hey. Although so, he paid his taxes. I paid him. <laughs> I didn't say it. It's like, oh, yeah. on time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to get them vouchers. Where did you go? Where are you from? I'm from Arkansas. What part? Uh, Fort Smith. Oh, shit. I'm from Memphis. Oh, really? Yeah. Am I, uh, I lived in Jonesboro when I was a kid. All right. Yeah, sure. I know Memphis pretty well. I got my wife's uh, families from there. Arkansas, I think Arkansas gets a bad rap, but it's a fucking beautiful state. Like, if you drive through it, it's just like the mountains and the trees, and it's it's really lovely. Yeah, I, I think about it all the time. It's a big part of me. Uh, it does get a bad rap because we've got two uh, emissaries. We have Billy Bob Thornton and we have Billy Bob Clinton. And they both have kind of uh, behaved a little wildly in the public eye. But in a fun southern kind of way. That's true. I know it. They, I mean, I actually really look up to both of those guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I grew up in Arkansas and then I spent a lot of time in uh, Texas before I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, so pine for moving back to the south uh, all all the time. Are you going to uh, Zach Galifianakis it and buy and like, just like buy like a like a piece of farm property somewhere and just d- disappear from people for chunks of time? I I would love that to be an option. I actually have two lotto tickets in my goddamn wallet that I showed Jonah before <laughs> we came in here. Well, I got my fingers crossed on those. <laughs> so what is your long term plan for the entertainment industry? <laughs> Seven forty two twenty three. <laughs> that is, I I think about that a lot. Where it's just like, if there was a way to do something fulfilling creatively, but uh, in in the capacity that you want to, but being able to live wherever you want, like, would you would you still live in Los Angeles? You'd probably move to Portland. Well, I really do like Portland a lot, but I also I think there's something to be said for. Um, being around the hive of activity of the thing that you love to be inspired, yeah. like to be around, to be around you guys, and to sort of be—I mean, like I, you could go to another city. I spent a lot of time in other cities, and they're fun for a couple of days, and then you're like, eh, I'm pretty fucking alone, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, I guess you could go make new friends, but it's like it still helps to kind of be creatively inspired by the like-minded people that you'd like. But you can find that anyway, especially in a place like Portland. Any, any you know, kind of college-ish town will even have, you'll find other artist types. And I believe that's a that's a great part of, you know, being in this kind of field is that, you know, you can, it's, you're not necessarily talking about work all the time, but you're just with kind of like-minded yeah, people. If, can you, I say, can if I you say, said we're moving everything up to Portland, I'd be like, right, Can I say something right. that sounds kind of grouchy, though? Sure. At a, when, the, when you start to get older, you have less... Capacity. Energy to, like... I was going to go start a new friend group. I'm so glad yeah. that you said that. I was I've been so negative this whole time. I was I was sitting on that thought, but I'm like I'm not going to It's it's that. it's sort of you know like because it does it does take like when you're young, you don't think of it as an investment of time. You just yeah. go, "Oh, hey, look at all these fun new exciting hopeful things that might develop out of these new experiences." Mm. And then you start to get older, it's just like you have an economy of energy and if you you know like it takes energy and work at a certain point to just 
go out and make a new friend group. And there's a point yeah. in your life, too, where you're like, uh, this is a big step. Should I text this guy? <laughs> it's, it's hard to Should make I friends as an adult. Out? As an adult, yeah. it's it's really, it's a weird thing yeah. to Am do. Am I weird for being like, let's go see that well, new because, movie? Yeah. Or well, because like, yeah. you also have responsibilities, and yeah. it's like, oh, they yeah. might have responsibilities. And are, your, are your girlfriends or wives going to get along? Yeah. That's like a huge yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, so it really I, I think that's that's part of it is that yes you can find those people but there is a you, know, you don't really pay attention when you're young to the trial and error nature of of friend grouping We're like oh yeah I didn't really like that oh I'll try this oh it's a you know it's sort yeah. of sort of like dating in a weird sort of way yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing it's a weird step <laughs> you know, that you whole it. texting a new potential friend yeah. is a weird step in my brain you, you hang out with someone three times and then the third time you know it's just like they do something really weird and you're like oh and, yes. then, and then you have to expend the energy to reassess out. your feelings is that why you like po- podcasting so much it's a bunch of one hour friendships <laughs> well it, I, I maybe I love that term <laughs> maybe I mean I guess if you think about it they are sort of modular relationships but but I like them because number one you I, I compare a podcast to like that like the first phone conversation with you, you have with someone that you're interested where you're like oh this person's really interesting mm-hmm. and so you kind of get to know each other and you spill a lot of personal information but it's also with people we know it's it's also catching up with friends yeah. when we don't really have time yeah, to true. the rest of the, the yeah. day so like we'll it's it, it's probably I mean I just I don't go out a lot I don't I'm not very social uh, at night so I probably wouldn't run into you but in six months, if you come back on the podcast, you're like, oh, it'd be really great to catch up with Brad again and see what he's up to. Yeah, you know, so it is sort of a it is sort of a catch. John, up. I think Jonah's the most social one of the bunch of us. There's not a question that yeah. Jonah is the most social. <laughs> yeah, but I'll I'll tell you that's just uh you know that's just that's a weird form of anxiety. You know, what? Just as what you, you mean, as you social? throw yourself into work, I throw myself into just having you know fat conversations with other people while having a couple beers. But yeah. but you've always been sort of the. The, the kind of the linchpin of like five different friend groups like everyone's like oh I know Jonah mm-hmm. yeah and, and you know that's that's a thing that's happening the, you know, the older I get and now that like just you know settling into a marriage is that you know the other night Dee and I tried to have we just wanted two friends over we just liked you know two of our friends which is one of our friends Mike and Paul to come and hang out Paul just happened to be with another one of our friends and he's like oh Jonah wants to hang out well I'll come oh, I'll tell this person and then Mike like uh, like was like, hey, I told Sam like, it, and then it just it creaks and it goes throughout like that. That was like the very apparent during the planning of the wedding, which is just like you gotta invite this person. If you're gonna invite this person, if you're gonna invite this person. Are you are you are you married? Yes. Is that a wedding ring? Yeah. 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 We, I've been married. We're about to have my ten year anniversary. Oh wow. Yeah. I was telling Jonah earlier. I've been with my wife since '96. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. We've known each other since we were 13. Wow. But, uh, so it's been a, Did you know back then? I kind of did. You know, I, I, I asked her out when she was 13. She totally turned me down. He was 14. Let's just say that really quick. <laughs> he was 14. <laughs> and then, and then whenever, whenever we, uh, re, got reacquainted in college, we started dating and that was it. So. Nice. Yeah. It Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas through and through. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, the, the high school sweetheart. Uh, thing which isn't you know I, I think happens i wouldn't say that that is all that happens in the south but it happens there much more than it happens here i think so for sure no. but because you know there is a uh, i mean I, so I, many options out here <laughs> <laughs> well much like this uh the store we were talking about it's easy to be distracted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean more people here are yeah. fucking because they think they can get something out of you i mean yeah. it's like it's just a different dynamic yes i'm always fucking people 
<laughs> yes, because they can always. get stuff out of me. Yeah, constantly. Just come. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> but I, you know, but going back to the south, you know, it's like there's that period where you go back and a lot of people have married, married high school sweethearts, and then you know you go back ten years later and it's like, oh no, the second marriage. <laughs> you know, like they've already, you know, they've yeah. kind of like. They they've had the marriage in the twenties and then in the late twenties like early mid thirties and it's like oh the, oh then there's another one the real one for real this time guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've uh, we've had a good time which we, we kind of been on an adventure we moved around the country a lot and uh, how does she like uh, L A she's got pretty much the same opinion as me she's a lot more positive than I am though we just moved to Burbank and we really like that it suits us kind of a slower town well yeah you were in uh, Century City yeah what yeah. I remember being Century s- City I was just so confused Sony when I was, like they moved there's to LA one, there's one yeah. little enclave of, of, of like townhomes in Century City like right between there and Riviera Country Club such an it's odd choice the- I meant Fox uh, that is Culver such a, is Sony. <laughs> that is such an interesting uh, yeah, I had to be, when I first came out here, I had to be um, in uh, Marina Del Rey in the mornings and then work on the east side as well, so we just picked something that was central. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then we just stayed there until we had a baby, and uh, then we moved to Burbank. Yeah, Century City is a, it doesn't really feel like a fan. <laughs> it was a bad start. It was a bad introduction yeah. to uh, It's a lifestyle. weird place. It's a very... It's a really weird place. Yeah, just to, I can't even imagine sort of living there for any extended time. It seems, like an, in- it seems like an industrial it, neighborhood. Well, it's an Culver office City, district. I yeah. see. It's an office district. Yeah. It's an office district that they were like, well, I guess we should put some residences here. Yeah. It's like those, those brave, brave people who moved downtown before it started turning around because <laughs> it would shut down at 6 p.m. Well, yeah. I was living there. down. I lived down there during that time. I think Century City. Thank you. I think Century <laughs> City was like the '70s idea of innovative planning, where they were like, "Oh, the experimental this, prototype this like world of tomorrow." Fu- a future city where it's all of your offices are here, and then yeah. your townhomes. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the if 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 you watch the jerk when he at the end when he's like when he's carrying all the stuff, like I just need this chair. Yeah. It, it, I, I think he's. I think there are parts where he's going through Century City. Or when he goes to meet the the guy that gives him the OptiGrab money, I oh, think yeah, he yeah. meets him at an office in Century City, which in the 70s I think was like, oh, it's really like cutting edge and swanky <laughs> Yeah, here. there's even like, a, I think it's a, like a Circle Jerk song or is it a Black Flag song where it's like, they, like they, they're talking about Century City like it's, a, like it's this new thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, uh... Tony Stark's dad leaves him messages in the maps of it. (laughs) 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 So do you get to do anything on the side, or are you pretty much is all your attention focused on China, Illinois? No, I uh, I have a website called Crease Comics where I do uh, single-panel cartoons that we put up every weekday now. I've kind of gotten re... trying to get back into drawing things myself that... um, make me laugh so we've been putting those up i've been trying to get back to doing some uh videos in the older style as well that i'm going to try to roll out has the dick one come out yet no i've been sitting on that yeah sitting <laughs> on that dick huh <laughs> i feel like there was something else i read that you were sitting on too which was it a civil war comedy book yeah yeah i've been thinking with that for about 10 years now it's um it's hard to find comedy in that tragedy but uh, i've been slowly you know those those from the north don't find it too tragic Mm. (laughs) i mean if you think about it the south was like the death star (laughs) no it'd be funny if he just was like bastard (laughs) (laughs) just pulled a shoe knife out brother we'll never yield 
<laughs> That's a funny one, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost heard a little Matt Besser in there. Because yeah. Besser's from Arkansas, too. Oh. Yeah, Besser's from Little Rock. Well, we probably have kinfolk. There must be, there must be like it. But I really, I hope, I hope people give Arkansas a chance if that because we drove through. I we drove. um, I mean, obviously, I lived there when I was a kid for a bit, but we drove cross country last year, and just drove through all of Arkansas to get down to Memphis, and it really is. It's just beautiful. I, I really dig it a lot. Fayetteville's a really great town. Fayetteville's phenomenal. Have you ever been to Fayetteville? No. The univer the university's there. It's basically like it's I you know not not to say it's like another city, but if I were comparing it, it's like the Austin of Arkansas. That's right. So it's you know it's built around the college, and as a result, you have this really great kind of artistic community, and it's really like they were bringing comics out there. You know, like Howard Kramer and Posehn and I went out and performed at the college. Like they're really. They're just cool. Like Fayetteville's just fucking. It's just fucking cool town with great food and it's small and people are nice. Yeah, music scene. There's a lot of traveling bands that stop in Fayetteville. Yeah, that's where we'd see a lot of bands growing up. Yeah. How far outside of Fayetteville do you live? Uh, it's just like an hour south in Fortsmouth. That seems like a long way to go. An hour. Mm-mm. But are you, that's fucking to Santa Monica from. I know. Oh well, <laughs> here, yeah. That. But yeah. I mean, that just as a kid, thinking, imagining going to a concert that was an hour. Oh, away. Oh, an hour away. Like, it's an yeah. adventure, man. I couldn't drive an hour as a kid if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could if you had that sweet yeah. submarine car from James Bond. <laughs> yeah. No, if I turned around, I could drive for an hour. <laughs> I've never been to Bentonville, which is like the Walmart hub, yeah. where just like it's just Arkansas. It's this Arkansas, Arkansas billionaires. Like all oh, of a wow. sudden, yeah, that's where like the Walmart headquarters are. Jeez. So, you know, like they... So it's like Century City. <laughs> it's like the Century City of Arkansas, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden there's just a, you know, there's a family there that you know, each one of them has $40 billion Gooey. in Bentonville, Arkansas. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh, excavation, like in a few yeah. 50 years from now, figuring out who those individuals <laughs> are. Well, this makes no sense with well, the surroundings. Have, uh, I don't understand. They must have been the pharaohs of this area. They acted yeah. like kings, but no one seemed to think that of them. <laughs> Hang on, we're uncovering all these churches. <laughs> Walmarts. Perhaps they're related. <laughs> do you, do you, you, said you, you said your wife's pretty positive. Do you feel like you're a negative person, or do you feel like she balances you out? I'm not generally a negative person. I feel like I've just been portraying myself that way. Just yeah. for fun. Uh, I, you caught me in a, mo- a mood, I guess. <laughs> Gonna break through the candy shell. No, the soft th- this is center. a mood that Brad gets in if you ask him about anything about him. That's true. So, well, you know, like it's not if if you're if you're not used to essentially being put under an interrogation light. Like some people, I I, I remember when we first started the podcast, and people would go, "You guys talk about you guys talk too much, or you talk about yourselves too much, and not enough about the guest." And I would remember there were specific guests, and I would have to say like. I'm looking in their eyes. I can tell when people are not really comfortable talking about themselves mm. because it's a, to some people it's a very weird thing to do. I mean, we have no fucking problem. We're narcissistic comedians. We'll yeah. talk about ourselves all day. But to some people, to to all of a sudden it's just like me, me, me. They hear themselves talk and they just get really uncomfortable. Yeah, I've thought that that was a bad move, <laughs> uh, but I, I realize that people are entertained by uh, it, and I am. You know, watching talk shows. I grew up watching David Letterman. I just loved watching those people talk about themselves. I just, yeah. Uh, I think that explaining myself is like the, the really difficult thing. Um, 
do you, do you like this thing? I'm never black and white on something. I always like it and hate it at the same time, yeah. I think. Uh, Notice how you don't love it and hate it at the same time. You just like it, but then the hate's there. Well, if you want to talk about McDonald's. <laughs> I, let's. I'm loving it. <laughs> I hate saying that, but it's true. I fucking get that double fish sandwich anytime I can. Oh, yeah. They make a double fish sandwich now? If you ask nice. <laughs> <laughs> can I have a double fish sandwich? No. <laughs> All right. I can't say no to that. Yeah, if you stick around till midnight, we start serving a limited breakfast menu. There's something more gratifying. I don't know what it is. There's something more gratifying about eating McDonald's in a small Midwest or Southern town, more so than in Los Angeles. <laughs> like when we were on the road, it, like stopping where there was, it was just a small industrial town. It was like, well, there's a McDonald's, and you stop, and it's, it. I don't know why. It just tastes better. It doesn't taste better. It tastes right. It tastes right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It tastes right. A fucking cheeseburger and fries and like mm-hmm. a little decaf coffee from McDonald's. Mm. But here in Los Angeles. Oh, the I'd, L.A. special? What's with this guy? The decaf. I would yeah, never, yeah, I would never in Los Angeles go, I'm going to go to McDonald's right now. But if I'm in the Midwest. Oh, I would. Oh, but yeah. the drive home is going to be full of tears. Yeah. I would. <laughs> because but the there's drive, a Del Taco nearby. <laughs> the cheeseburger wrapper. The drive there was full of more tears. Yeah. <laughs> So do you do you think at some point you might move move the wife and the and the kid back to uh, to Arkansas? I don't know. Well, if one of those two tickets hits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you can have money. both. Yeah, no, we're we're adjusting well. I like Burbank quite a bit. We got a yard, and our kid seems to really like her preschool. So oh, that's uh, good. Things are going well. I'm, I get that secret McDonald's. <laughs> uh, not so secret anymore. My wife sometimes finds those rappers, and she's like, "I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're having secret McDonald's again." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've caught myself getting late night Del Taco once, and by that I mean I woke up, and then I went to my car, and then I, there was just a bunch of Del Taco rappers in my car, and I was like, "I don't remember." Oh, not only did I drive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also stuffed my face. But, Jonah, see, in why are we laughing at that? you, it's yeah. like six feet away from your house. <laughs> yes, it is really close. It was really close. But it was, uh, yeah, it was like, I don't re- And then you kind of, oh. Mm. I think sober, sober Jonah's going to start ha- having to hide the wallet and the keys from drunk Jonah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. No. All right, get my six uh, pack. Hide me. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Um, excellent. Well, is there anything else you want to plug or talk about before we release you back into the mean streets of Los Angeles? I'll give an opinion on Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> a square burger. You can get a you can get a cube there if you can ask for a cube, and they'll stack those square Four. burgers all the way up. Oh, is that fucking serious? Is that true? That's what I've heard. Well, secret why? menu items are my favorite menu what items. What the fuck are we doing yeah. here? <laughs> It's that like, is, I like the idea of being at a Wendy's and then someone just orders a regular burger and you go, you order on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the cube noob. <laughs> I am in L.A. God, I can't even, yeah. It, it's unfortunate that the food in the South is so fucking good, but at the same time, it's just not good for you at all. It, it's mm. The barbecue place next to my dad's bowling center is fucking amazing. Is your dad in uh, Jonesboro? He's in Memphis. My dad's oh, right. in Memphis. Oh, yeah, right. we lived in Jonesboro for maybe like six months when I was a kid. We just I, I don't know I don't I don't remember why. I just as a kid I was like oh we're now we're in Jonesboro, um, but uh, but it's just the food in the South is so bad for you, but it's so good. Yeah, you can't get fried catfish uh, out here in any kind of respectable way. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's what I, first thing I do when I go home for Christmas. I go clean that place out with from their catfish. Just, you, you, you don't go to Popeyes? Huh? No, man. Fuck that. 
don't what I don't understand is why there are enough Southerners who live on the West Coast, I would imagine. There are enough that could sustain a legitimate Southern, you know, like pick any barbecue you want. Pick Texas barbecue or Memphis barbecue. I don't know. Blood Sauce is really good. Is it? Yeah. Where is that? Blood Sauce is on La Brea. It's, uh, it just opened up. They used to be, they still have one in Compton, but it just opened up on La Brea, and that's fucking, oh, that's that right. is some good fucking barbecue. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm on board. All right, come with me. I'll give it a shot. It's great. All right. You can get a mint julep. Oh, you can't. No, you can I get a mint julep. Really. A hell of a mint julep. In a silver cup, guys. I don't know how that adds to the... That's what you're supposed to have one in. Oh, okay. That and a Moscow mule, right? Mm. Ten. Ten. A tin cup, nice mint julep on a hot bay. What accent is that? I'm curious. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> you're just you're just kind of moving your lips nah, real loud and hoping you hit guy, on one. Just guy, kind of tired of talking, but not moving his lips. <laughs> I don't know if this character's going to be as popular as Bruce. Garner. No, fuck, I'm not trying to fucking. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you weren't. I knew you weren't, Jonah. Thank you. I didn't say Thank anything. you, Matt. Did you just say a tired falcon? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I hope he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great character. Uh, call. <laughs> <sighs> oh, call. I guess I'll fly to your glove. <laughs> I had a rat, but I dropped it. Take this note. Oh, how far? <laughs> it's a living. Now I'm a pterodactyl. <laughs> Just put the hood back on my head. <laughs> I just don't want to see anything right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna fly over here. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. Can we have baby cakes? Say enjoy your burrito. Um. <laughs> we won't. We won't look. Enjoy your burrito. What is that? It's just a thing we say at the end of the. You thing. say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> <laughs> You've just delighted Jonah for the rest of the week. That was great. That's great. I try to make him do it every time we're hanging out, and he won't. <laughs> but now you put him on the spot with a bunch of other people staring at him. You're like, now you've sort of, now you've sort of bullied him emotionally. Into, yeah, that's into... why I got him on the podcast. <laughs> just to do that. Just to do that. You don't. You didn't want to find anything else about him, or just like, kind of <laughs> dig into, like, get to know him as a friend. No, I'll do that in real life. You don't really, though. He's not even paying attention when you're hanging out. No, he's not. <laughs> Waiting for those other drinks. <laughs> He's just like, Jonah's fine. Give him the keys. I'll go to Del Taco and end up in his bed somehow. <laughs> that was years ago. I just crunch on my eyes while he tells me about his trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's like a verbal slideshow. Uh. <laughs> I've, I've rarely ever seen Jonah speechless. I'm not speechless. I'm just done. <laughs> Where's the cocaine? <laughs> it's in the back. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. 
Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.